Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Traction Pieces Podcast, episode 205, and it's a little bonus episode. Yeah, I was really excited about this. There's, I got a chance to see a preview of an amazing film called Re- Revenge, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you behind the curtain a bit here. I get pitched a lot of guests. I turn down a lot of guests, because if I feel I can't get 60 to 90 minutes, then I don't feel it's, they're right for, for this podcast. And I was approached about having... Coraline Matilda on and I said look I'm not that familiar it's Coraline's first film I don't know if we'll get an hour I'll watch it and then I'll see and I watched it and loved it it's called Revenge it comes out today in loads of cinemas I think it's getting an increase in cinemas it's in next Friday but just have a look up it's really good yeah so I watched it and I adored it and I said look we still might not be able to get an hour or, or 90 minutes because it's a debut film but I'm up for it, and we'll do it as a bonus episode, and it'll be a mini one. And jokes on me, we could have talked for hours and hours and hours. Um, it's a really good chat. We, yeah, I, I I loved it. They were both really open and honest, had great views and insights into the film. We kind of avoid sp- spoilers in this. In reality, we talk about the fact that there's violence and there's horrible things and there's blood, but the poster tells you that. So. I think, I, I, you know, I think you're okay on spoilers on this. There's there's some impl- implied stuff, but it's no more than you would get from a trailer, let's say. So, um hope you enjoy this. As ever, we're brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com, where tomorrow, or maybe from late tonight, but tomorrow, you're going to be able to buy um, Daniel Sack versus Scroobius Pip Angles 10-year anniversary edition on vinyl. That's not been available on vinyl, on vinyl for a minute. Everyone gets annoyed that it's not available on vinyl so we've made a little limited run to celebrate our 10 year anniversary and speechrecords.com they're all signed go and fill your boots there's also a new Lasak versus Pip 10 year anniversary t-shirt from Mr Heggy so yeah go and check all that out and all the other stuff there's loads of stuff have a bit of a browse if you're going there for one thing have a bit of a browse get some add-on purchases or don't it's up to you I don't care uh, I'd rather you, you, you go into the, the cinema and see a revenge that go and spend in the web story of I'm honest because I, I truly believe the cinema is the place for all films and independent films need to be supported in the cinema to make sure they keep turning up there so it isn't all just Avengers and stuff like that which are films I love but I love other films as well and they, they deserve their place in the cinema so go out now immediately walk out of your job or whatever you're doing and go and, <laughs> and buy tickets to see revenge in the cinema I'll stop rambling and let you you listen to my chat with Coralie and Matilda. Coralie, how's just, is it Fargay? Coralie Farja. Coralie Farja. Perfect. Well, there you go. You've introduced <laughs> yourself. And Matilda Lutz, is it Lutz? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, how are you both? Oh, good. Very good, thank you. <laughs> are you enjoying the kind of, you're on a bit of a press run for a revenge. How's that all been? How's that feel? Because it must have been, for, for Coralie, more and, and for you as well, a long time coming, a lot of individual work but now you're getting to, to sit back and go look at what we've done <laughs> exactly you know that's a really a great moment you know to have the movie released in different countries yeah. and have the interest of the audience and the press and it's uh, it's the best i could hope for the movie so it's really a great accomplishment yeah it's it's kind of it's a great time for a world cinema, right? Because there is, there does seem to be that slightly greater reach and slightly greater crossover. Um, I think Netflix has done really well in a similar way to Revenge here in in mixing English dialogue and some subtitles, so people aren't kind of put off by oh, that's hard work. It is. It just it flows in nicely. So do you feel that's helped that it's it's getting a lot more attention and can be more of a global release? Yeah, definitely. I think that the mixing of language uh, helps uh, a lot the movie to travel in a yeah. way. 
But I think, as you say, is also because there are a lot of new habits of viewing the movies and yeah. it's more and more international in what you look. And I think there are many different ways now to produce movies that yeah. can travel and that don't have to come necessarily from England or from the States. And I think that's quite a great opportunity for filmmakers to make movies that have an international uh, impact but still keep their identity as a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah. So does, has the, the, the way that, that films are released played into your approach and outlook? Because, you know, I, I love seeing films in the cinema. I think it's the true home for films. But things like Netflix and things like that do give things... I don't know, a longer life, I guess. So it isn't so much just it's all on the first weekend and, and things like that. There was a series recently on Channel 4 called um, End of the Fucking World and mm-hmm. it came out on Channel 4. I watched and enjoyed it, but no one particularly talked about it. And then it came on Netflix a few months later and it was it. The, best, <laughs> the best show ever. And it's kind of, it's exciting. And, and Revenge feels like that for me because it feels like it's got the appeal and irreverence for kind of your art house fans and your more independent film fans but it's also a screaming bloody violent exciting film that as soon as it's on a Netflix or something it feels like the kind of thing that people go oh I'll give that a look and and have that that wider audience yeah for me at the very basis I really make a film so they can have a theatre release Um, yeah So that's the goal, you know, but you never know before the movie uh, is achieved how foreign distributors are going to react. So you know that in your own country you're going to have theatrical distribution, but you don't know at all how the movie is going to be sold and how it's going to react. And I think what was amazing for the movie is that foreign distributors really wanted to make a theatrical release in the States, in the UK, in Japan, in Europe. So for me, um, it's, I mean, movies, you know, belong to the theaters and it's great that they have another life on platforms and and there are many movies that I discovered younger on on video, you know, on VHS or or in a different way. But... um, I think that's uh, anyhow what makes a movie special, that at the beginning it's aimed for the big screen, after you don't control that fate, that destiny. Yeah, yeah. But I think in the intentions, that's what I was dreaming of. So I'm really happy the theatrical distribution happened everywhere. Yeah. What were your theatrical film experiences that influenced your debut Films. So what films was it that you remember going to see and loving and feeling? I want to. I want to do that. I want to make that happen. Well, there were so many. It, it started with the original Star Wars trilogy, yeah. the Indiana Jones, the the then the more dark films uh, of uh, David Cronenberg yeah. and Paul Verhoeven and. Yeah. And, yeah, all those filmmakers who were dealing with entertainment as well as a very dark uh, approach of a society and human being and how you can build something unreal and tell stories that brings you really somewhere else. So, yeah. And I think it is this uh, mix between the visual and the sounds and the stories bigger than life that you you really live in a different way when you're in, in a theater and yeah, that it's completely. a true experience, uh, sensorial and emotional. And, and also watching the movie with other people, I think, make a, a different experience in a way. Yeah, yeah, because you're, you're, you're reacting off of each other. You're, it's a shared experience rather than a, yeah, a, a definitely, solitary yeah. one. Even if I love going to the movies alone, but yeah, yeah it's a different That's my way preferred of scenario completely <laughs> as quiet as possible. But still, it's yeah, nice to have exactly, that, yeah. that experience. Um, so, uh, Matilda, we, I've, I've, I've spoken on um, how it's a, a, lang, a, 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 a bilingual uh, film. How was that for you? Because you're Italian, right? And it's the films mm. in in French and English, yes. if I'm correct. Is, how is your French? Is your my French is pretty good. I I speak and understand, and I could like 
get around yeah. <laughs> with it. So it's not like I didn't know what was going on or I didn't understand, you know, yeah. when people were talking because we were shooting in Morocco where everyone basically spoke French. Yeah. But I think it did give something else to the movie right. because I love when, for example, there's scenes where the guys are speaking between each other in French yeah. and she's like lost, like she doesn't really like understand what's happening. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I did like that part. Yeah, it allows it. And, and do you find... Because I was surprised when I read that you were Italian because the character is, is American. Is this, this correct? Or, yeah. And, and again, it's just... Do you feel playing with language and accents and voices allows you to, to lose yourself even more into a character rather than so. simply you're playing a variation of yourself? You're creating yes. someone completely new. Yeah, I really believe that when you change... M multiple aspects of who you are yeah. so the language or the accent and the fact that she's completely different from what I look like yeah. in life yeah. that really allows you to like I think go even further because you're not trying to like be who you are but you're yeah. trying to like just portray a different person in, yeah. in the world so it does it does allow you to like I think feel more free yeah um, I mean uh, with that in mind then, how exciting was it to read a character like this where you kind of get to do that twice in one film? Because yeah. <laughs> it is, she goes through a traumatic event that's mm -hmm. very sharp and gives an immediate mm -hmm. change, change in character. It's not kind of, it's a bit gradual, obviously there's kind of a, a finding herself type period of the film, but it is quite an extreme change from mm -hmm. who you are at the start to, to who you are at the end. So that yeah. must have been exciting to kind of go, right, well, I like the idea of playing th this character mm -hmm. and I like the idea yeah. of playing this character and they're both strong and, and liberated in their own way in, mm -hmm. in different variations. Again, you can, can look at different strands of feminism, of, you know, the belief of, of, of freedom with your body and the way you dress mm -hmm. and your sexuality versus the freedom to be strong, strong. and yeah. powerful and you get to explore both of those yeah. areas. As, how was that to read that as a character and then to, to it take was, it on? It was pretty incredible and I think I didn't realize until we actually like started doing fit like I knew it was going to be challenging yeah. and I wanted to take that challenge because I've I think I've always been seen as like the kind next door type of girl yeah and it's hard to find roles that are compelling and challenging yeah so like when I read it the first time I was like wow you get to really like play two different characters in a film yeah but I, I still don't think I realized until, like, we started doing the casting process and she asked me to, like, get a wig yeah. and, you know, be blonde and, like, do my nails and, like, change the whole aspect. And even just the casting and the audition was so much fun to me because I got to play with, like, a different voice and with my body and yeah. in, in different ways that I hadn't explored before. So. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. And as you said, like, the two sides were so much fun. Yeah. Because the first side, I've never really, like, got a chance to explore. Also, like, I'm not that type of girl in my life. Yeah. So it was very liberating to be, like, seductive and sensual and, like, not really care. And about. have a completely artistic yeah. motivation. Exactly. For Forward. doing so, yeah. to explore different areas. Yeah. It's interesting what you were saying about the casting. Um are you a fan of that side of the industry? Because I, I moved from music into acting uh, th three years ago, and it seems so real. I adore going in and doing castings because, as you said, it's playing with characters. Yeah. It's trying out something new. I didn't go to to film school or theatre school, so I didn't get to, to do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my mates who've been in acting a lot longer hate castings, mm -hmm. hate all that kind of thing because it's just heartbreaking and you never hear back <laughs> and all this, but... It is if you approach it with, wow, this is a fun experience to try out a new character, to, to push in directions I might not have gone, mm -hmm. then regardless of the result, you're getting something as an actor mm -hmm. from that, right? I think you, you want to see it that way. Yeah. I think you want to have fun. And I think the times that you do have fun and that you do enjoy like you know, the casting process yeah. and you go in without the intent of getting the role, but yeah. just like about exploring a different side of you... Yeah. I think that's when you feel it was a good audition. Yeah, and completely. And 
I think it should be that way. Otherwise, it would be like a miserable part of, and unfortunately, it's like yeah. one of the biggest part of our jobs. Yeah, of course. Because you do a hundred auditions and you get one job. Completely. So I think it should be an enjoyable part. And yeah. sometimes you have more fun because it's probably characters that speak to you more. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes it's very, you know, frustrating because maybe you didn't really quite get what you wanted yeah. to do and, you know, maybe like you didn't understand the character so you have very few days to prep the audition. Yeah. yeah. And maybe if you did have more time you would have explored it more, but yeah, yeah completely. It's I, fun. I, I really feel the the mark of a bad audition isn't if you got it or not, it's if is if you enjoyed it or yeah. not because the fact is if you've got the right mindset, if you're in this for the long haul, mm-hmm. as long as it went well, you've made an impact on that yes, casting director definitely. or that the, yeah. the, the director or whomever mm-hmm. else. It doesn't matter yeah. necessarily if you've got this specific yeah. role now because the yeah. one that comes down the line could be yeah, ten and times also, more exciting. Like you work, first of all, I feel like every time you read a script, you get to learn things that you didn't know before. Every yeah. time I read a script, there's at least one thing that I learn. Yeah. Because you don't know things so you research and then you know it's either like an accent or a personality or like a psychological trait that the character has and so you get to like really explore already like certain things about a character that are going to stay with you forever and so the next time you never know that the next job you're going to get is maybe an accent that you did in an audition that you're going to need to use so I've, it's it's a learning process. I found a character for an audition about a year ago that I've taken into about four auditions now because I love him. He's <laughs> not, not got any of the roles, but I've got him there that I'm like, I love this guy. This is this is a really interesting person. And yeah, it does add, add to that. So it's all shot in one location. Um, so I'll, I'll start with Matilda. How was that for you to be in this quite secluded place for the period of time that you had? As your character is... In almost every scene, it must have been quite an intense time there. Rewarding at the end, because in a month and a half or whatever it was, you've done a whole film, which Mm -hmm. is mind-blowing. But Mm -hmm. it must have been an intense experience at the time to be in that one place, in a hot location. um, Cold. A cold location, was it? Oh, wow. (laughs) It was freezing. Yeah. Freezing, because it was February and we shot in Morocco. Right. And we were shooting uh, a lot in the mountains and yeah. at night, so even yeah. that didn't help. It was very intense, and I think for everyone, because we didn't have any comfort. It was very like an on-the-road film, mm-hmm. on-the-road shooting. You know, it was hard to like you know have tents or trailers where you could like warm up if you were cold. Yeah. Um, the whole like location was just difficult to get around. Yeah, because course. like we were shooting in the mountains so there was like one narrow road where you couldn't like even you know just like get some rest and so yeah. we were shooting uh, we shot five weeks 32 days so it was quite like long hours yeah. the special effects makeup was a long process in the morning so I was going to say I'd imagine all of it is quite a long pro- process because in a stark empty location even just clearing set Mm-hmm. isn't an easy thing if, you, if, you, if you're doing this up the side of yeah. a mountain to get everyone up but then you have to get everyone else yeah, down, down and out the yeah, way yeah. and then you can start yeah, so exactly yeah that must have been taxing physically and mentally yeah it, it was intense but I think that I don't know personally I was so excited and every scene had something compelling to do either yeah. physically or emotionally and yeah, sure. You know, like, I never did, like, guns on yeah. a set, so that was fun. And then, you know, the the quantity of blood, you know, it's something that you never really get to do. Like, yeah. it happens very rarely, so yeah. that was, like, fun. And then, obviously, the character. And I think the fact of being, like, in a secluded place made... It made it more special, in a way, because we really got to, like, see Morocco with the locals because yeah. part of the crew was local yeah, perfect. well part of it like most of it basically yeah. so like you know I was like very interested in the culture so I got to like ask questions that I yeah. never got to ask and then we were having amazing Moroccan food that I still like dream about that's perfect right? I mean you, you can't see tagine after a month and a half anymore but it was amazing yeah. and the locations were beautiful and the desert was incredible the light was yeah. just like 
fascinating. It was beautiful. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole experience, I think, even though it was intense, there was so much to it. And, yeah. you know, we got to really, like, know each other very well because it's the only people you see for, like, a month. I think yeah. at the end of the shoot that we got towards Azad, which was, like, the only place where there was, like, a little more going on. It yeah. was, like, we were, like, staying in the city. Everyone was like, let's go out. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's all we did, basically. And just again, like, it's, it's the beauty there of if that was the first place you'd gone to or the only place, you probably would have been, there's so little here, it's yeah. so sparse. But because you've been yeah. Yeah. R- really remote, it's suddenly yeah. this mm-hmm. this mecca. Um, did you shoot sequentially? Because uh, I was just thinking, because that would feel that it helps with the character in a way, mm-hmm. because the longer you are out there and getting tired and mm-hmm. isolated... Actually, we, we shot, like, the villa first. Yeah. So we shot the clean villa parts. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we shot the bloody villa yeah. parts. So we basically shot the beginning and end yeah. together. Yeah. And then after the two weeks, we started doing basically the, the whole, like, in-between. Yeah, everything out. And it was, like, a road trip, basically, through the desert to, like, what is Azad. So we shot, like, in-between, like, in the mountains, in the desert, at yeah. this, like, little lake in the middle of the desert. I can't quite remember exactly how we shot it, but it was, like, pretty much in sequence, I would say. Yeah. Pretty yeah, much. Pretty like, much. some things were, you know, here yeah. and there, but... Yeah. Pretty much, besides the beginning and yeah. the end. Um, so, so from a, a production point of view, how was that seclusion to work with and those isolated locations? Because um, Matilda touched upon there, there's, there's, there's a fair bit of blood. Um, and in remote locations, that's hard to, to top up on, to, to keep. So how was that as a restriction or as a, as a driving force? It was quite tough because uh, it's true we were um, in locations where we couldn't have a lot of comfort and we had a small crew and we didn't have uh, a huge budget so yeah. the conditions were restricted but I think this also added some kind of uh, real, a true energy in the process of making the movies and I, I know really huge sets where all the energy, you know, is lost in, you know, the number of people who have to, you know, give the information before it arrives to (laughs) its uh, the person it's meant to. So here it was very basic, it was very simple, and it was very... We were very doing everything ourselves. Um, We had, of course, stunts for some things... um, but we were really in the in the action. Or so the crew had to be physically Im- implied. You yeah. know, everybody was in that energy of making the movie, and we had to physically, you know, be there for yeah. the hard scenes. So, for instance, in the villa at the end, everybody was covered in blood. Everybody, you know, was running in the blood, and yeah. and and so I think it added something very very special, even if it was definitely very tiring and physically demanding because, as Matilda said, it was it was cold, it was some days it was hot but most of the time it was cold and when you do every day something that, you know, is challenging there are no rest days yeah. no days where you're shooting just somebody walking in the streets, you know, or transition yeah. scenes yeah, yeah. where nothing really happens. Everything, you know, has a technical uh, challenge or emotional challenge. So it was very intense from the beginning to the end. But I think the fact that we were uh, all together in Morocco, far from ho- our homes, helped creating this energy as well, like, yeah. We couldn't go home uh, at night, so we were living inside the movie and inside yeah, the the spirit of the movie. Yeah. And it, I think, it brings something very, very special to the screen. It brings yeah. everyone together because you, yeah. you're all in it together. It is mm, exactly. everyone's investment. Um, I obviously tried desperately to avoid spoilers, but we've touched upon the the bloodiness at the end and the kind of there was a or the or, or the essential end endings scenes. I just absolutely adored and thought they really n- nailed something 
really rare and hard because it's a film that's so alien to our own experiences. It's a crazy situation that goes crazier. Yet the ending chase scene, essentially, was so relatable because anyone who's got children or godchildren has chased someone (laughs) around a table or been chased around a table and been in that endless cycle and applying that to an unimaginable kind of horror or or thriller situation was perfect because instantly you were drawn into that fear and panic because you're like, you know how it's just, I'll turn around and go the other... And it it made a really simple and restricted location and situation just so intense. So how was that to to have it on the page and then to bring it to to life and see it deliver on screen, I guess? Yeah, it was one of my favourite scenes because of its simplicity and the fact that it it becomes powerful in a very original and simple way where you have to deal with very few elements but are but that are used very precisely and in a way and in a kind of unseen way so it was very tough to shoot because to reach to this um, simplicity where there is tension everything has to be very precise mm-hmm. and in a rhythm that I had in mind that I had worked for a long long time on the page to found the moments and the elements that were going to create this tension and yeah. keep, you know, something uh, very striking in the scene, even if there were, even if nothing was really happening, yeah. you know? And so after it's the matter on set to really keep those elements all together and, and having everybody uh, do very precisely what you have in mind because in those scenes where there is no dialogue and everything relies on the rhythm yeah. on the the details if something is not there it's the whole scene that can collapse you know yeah. so it was really a kind of like rehearsing a ballet yeah. Uh, yeah. where everybody has a very precise you know path uh, or choreography to do and we basically had to deal with the difficulties of the set with you know a very narrow corridor that it's very difficult for the crew to be in and most of the crew couldn't be on set because it was too narrow dealing with all the blood that was so slippery that uh, we had to find a way to shoot everything not in order, dealing with when there was blood and the things we could shoot without blood. And so we were shooting pieces, little pieces, like in every direction, you know, and it was a matter of the actors trusting me, like giving direction, right, left, and now reverse, and now run. And, And I think all those elements bring some kind of, yeah, of madness to the to the scene also because when you have a whole set covered in blood and the actors as well, basically it brings something mad, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And everybody is kind is like in a trance where you know you don't get to do it every day and yeah. and so yeah, I think the the also the fact that we had to run against time because we didn't have a lot of time to shoot so we had to go uh, we had to go quick and all this created a very special atmosphere yeah. for this this the, ending the real tension and pressure exactly. versus the dramatic tension and pressure and it's, yeah. it's beautiful in such a a, a modern f- film it, it that scene suddenly had that feel of the kind of thing that um Melville was so good at, and it, or films like a Rafifi, where you're not relying on this sharp, witty dialogue or this these quick cuts and action. It was just all this tension was silent, and as it it it, it, it makes it harder to escape as a viewer, I guess, because you're not getting to have the escape of reading subtitles or hearing dialogue. Anything else? All you can do is look at this building and building and building, and you can't look away. It's un, unflinching, unrelenting. Um, how was that to act out? Because, again, it is such a, a simplistic scene, but 
it relies pure, wholly on obviously the direction and the editing, but also on the in- intensity that is being delivered by the two the two actors on set. I think uh, part of it was the fact that we didn't really have time yeah. <laughs> to shoot that scene, so we were basically running around. Uh, at some point, no one really knew what was happening because yeah. basically with the whole continuity thing yeah. with the blood on the walls or like clean walls yeah. and then the fact that we couldn't run if the blood was on the floor because it was so slippery that it was very dangerous. Yeah. Also, we were running kind, kind of fast. So the Steadicam guy with the whole gear and in the hallway, it was kind of hard for him to like, you know, run fast. Completely. Uh, so like basically at the end, it was just like Kurali basically telling us, Go this way, go that way, yeah. do this, do that. And we were basically just like trusting that she had whatever she had in mind and she knew what she was doing yeah. and clearly she did. So we were just like following her directions and yeah. and doing whatever she told us to do. Yeah, it's amazing. So so as as the as the writer and director and doing the ed- some of the editing and everything involved in this, how much do the, do the, does the thought, particularly in a debut film, where you don't necessarily know as you're writing it how much budget you're going to have, how much freedom you're going to have, do the restrictions come into your, your writing at the start? Because I think horror or thrillers are something that thrive on restriction. They thrive on isolation, on one location, on things like that. The stuff that also help the person who's going over the budget... You know, it, it, it thrives in the story if you can have those restrictions. So did those things come hand in hand as you were writing? Were you thinking, what's the film I want to write? But also, what's the film that's going to be makeable at a level that I can direct it and I can edit it and I can be I can have that control rather than have to hand it over to a far larger team? I was very aware before I started to write the film of the restriction you have for a first feature. And I think you win a lot of time and a lot of uh, creativity by anticipating those uh, budget limitations. Because if for your first feature film you're going to write a $50 million sci-fi, you know, a space opera... You're never gonna get finance. It's tough, right? And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's tough to get through the door. <laughs> exactly, and I knew that. I also knew that for that film, my point was to have total freedom, mm-hmm. like to be able really to do whatever I wanted. So I knew that I needed to keep the budget low to keep this total freedom because yeah. of course the more money you get and the more you know financier come in the way uh, it brings you know different things you have to do like maybe you're not free of the cast or maybe yeah. you know you have to uh, restrain yourself uh, at some point so I really wanted to be 100% free of all my choices because I think that's really the real interest of the movie have to have a unique vision and a real you know original way of doing it yeah. and so for that i had in mind uh you know uh, the elements i knew the, the budget would be quite small so i needed to find a way in the writing to make you know compelling scenes but where there wouldn't be you know massive explosions yeah. or stunts or and definitely it brings a lot of creativity because i think the final scene came partly because i had to deal with the fact that okay i want the final to be back at the villa because i think it's a interesting you know uh, direction to go but i yeah. know i can't make the villa explode i can't you know destroy mm-hmm. the villa so i have to find <laughs> other elements that are going to make the the fight between the two protagonists yeah. uh, interesting which made it better exactly yeah, completely. definitely I mean, better i love the, those restrictions a, f- a film i loved a couple of years ago was it was a comedy but it was called super bob and it was about a superhero but it was a debut. It was, was low budget as they made it about a, su- a superhero on his day off. <laughs> and it gave this amazing dynamic and found this great humour. But 
part of that reason was because they couldn't afford to have a superhero flying around all the time yeah. and doing all this amazing stuff. Whereas if it's on his day off, you cut all of that out. Um, Definitely. And also, I think, the, as you say, for me, the action stuff, we've seen it all. I yeah. mean, there is so there are so many, you know, big budget movies where, you know, the editing is so fast, you don't even know what you're looking yeah. at. So I think for me, the interesting way to uh, stage action is not with doing more, because I think we've seen yeah. already... And the, the most, you know, on screen on other types of movie. But I think what is striking now is to, is to be able to create something interesting and striking with very, very few elements. And I think that's what filmmaking is about, also to know how to use very powerful images and symbols to create emotions and visceral feelings. Yeah, completely. And rather than just, as you said, blind them with the editing. And because the fact is now, it's hard to impress anyway because you'll just assume that it's all it's all fake. And people like um, S. Craig Zahler is someone I really enjoy with the way he does his action scenes of unflinching. You just have to watch it, and they're not fast, and they're not they don't look look great in a trailer with some amazing music put over it. But man, they're engaging and engrossing. And I got a similar thing here, particularly with some of the the gory elements. It's quite brutal. It's quite, it's quite gory. Um, I'll start to, uh, to wrap things up, but before I do, how, how crucial was that to you to give these kind of... To, to give stuff that is very real in the almost unimaginable situation that is like, unimaginable for a, a regular person's situation that you're presenting, but making it real and you can't look away and you have to just encounter this and go through it essentially with the character and with the lead and enjoy those or survive those experiences i can't can't really say enjoy <laughs> yeah for me the the reality of the flesh and of the wounds was a major part of the artistic use of violence and uh, i wanted uh, the film to be very violent and bloody but i didn't want I didn't want it to go into horror mm -hmm. where, you know, um, violence is used only in a very realistic way to, mm -hmm. you know, harm the most possible, uh, the, the character. I wanted to create something more hypnotizing yeah. with the, the violence and the blood and the, the flesh. Um, and I think this goes with the way, the same way, that the way you're going to film it, the rhythm you're going to put in it, yeah. the fact that you you are um, you know taking your time to show stuff that you know are really kind of a mirror of the madness of the characters and yeah. brings what the characters have in in themselves and I think the fact that the the all the wounds are real are real practical SFX and not CGI is a is for me was uh, so important because I think you you don't have totally the same feeling when the blood and the gunshots are added afterwards. Mm -hmm. It's it's in a way it puts a filter with reality. And when I was on set and I was filming the food scene or the final scene, I knew that the something was happening. You know, uh, as I was filming, as yeah. I was filming, I. I could see, you know, the interesting um, experience creating under my under my eyes, yeah. and I also knew that I was used. Uh, I would use a lot of music that was not realistic, that was kind of, you know, hypnotic, put you in a trance, and yeah. that was part as well of the um, of the process. So, yeah, and I, and I like very much the visceral, you know. Uh, part of the film which for me is the most important and adds I would say the personality to the story it's the way you're going to experience it as a viewer and also I think that for me cinema is to make the audience participate in a way I think when you're talking about you know focusing the attention of the audience I think it's a very important element that you, you have people to really watch and 
care about what's happening and also sometimes filling the blanks when you take your time. Yeah. You know, you let their imagination be able to feel to feel some parts and to think, you know, to what they are viewing and you really bring them somewhere. And I think in some kind of movies where it's only entertainment going so fast, you know, action going in every di direction, the audience isn't very implicated, you yeah. know. It's, um, I agree. I agree. And I think it's a very different experience when you lead the audience to really go into the movie and be with the characters, with the filmmaking and make them, you know, really feel the experience. And, and uh, I think it adds a lot to the way the movie is, is perceived. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's nailed there. It, it, it makes me think of kind of when you've got a kid learning to ride a bike and the dad's running along and pushing behind. And at the start, you lead them into the film and, and then halfway through the film, you look around and realise that, that, that no one's leading you anymore. You're kind of, you're there coming on the journey self and filling in the blanks that need to be filled in and, and pushed along the way. And I think that's, that's yeah. good filmmaking, right? Exactly. And I think you have to trust the audience that they're not going to be bored because you take your time, that they're not going to be bored because you make, you know, um, you have a strong vision that you, you know, that you stress. And, and I think it's really about trusting the audience and the, their ability to enter your world and, yeah. and to give them your world to enter into. Yeah, completely. So, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll finish up by asking both of you uh, what's ahead. There was, there was kind of a time, I'd say five years or so ago, that in general everyone's dream and goal is to make it to America. And I, I love American films as well, but we are at a point now where cinema from TV to film, from Italy, from France, all over the world, can have its own artistic place. And in the UK as well, it doesn't have to be that goal. You can go that route, but then you've got people like Gaspar Noe and, and all these other people who are just going, no, here's what I do. I'm what, I've already achieved where I want to be. I'm not, this isn't a stepping stone to directing an Avengers film. Mm -hmm. This is what it was meant to be. So, so what's your, your, your focus going forward? Because you said at the start, obviously, Star Wars and things like that were things that led you into cinema. So, yeah, what's the plan? Um, yeah, definitely I want to keep exploring my own universe and my own uh, visions. Um, so I will definitely keep writing, uh, you know, my movies and keep creating um, the universe I, I have in mind. And I think what it's uh, what is great nowadays it's that there are uh, definitely, as we were speaking at the beginning, uh, very different ways to reach an international audience, and you can make it by various way of producing your films that can be uh, uh, made from France or from Europe, and not necessarily from the States. This said, I think uh, the United States uh, of offers uh, also great opportunities in uh, being, yeah, I think still an industry that, you know, still make great cinema, even yeah. if uh, the some of the movies for me now, the big movies are not uh, necessarily what I want to go uh, towards. Yeah. But I think it's an amazing opportunities in terms of actors. They have amazing actors and it can be great opportunity to work with the act with these actors. And they have a way of, of thinking that is still very adventurous. I yeah. mean, it's the... Um, everything is possible, it's true. Yeah. And I think it's just about making the right choices for you depending what you want to do or not to do to find the right people to work with on okay. the right kind of films and budgets and so as to keep control of what you're doing. And it's true that I 
um, if you go directing an Avenger movie, you're, it's not necessarily only your vision that's, yeah. that it's going to be on the screen. And it's, it's the rule of the game. Either you go for it or you want yeah. to make more personal um, movies and, 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 and you don't go towards those kind of movies. So for now, I definitely want to, you know, keep exploring my my own path. Yeah. Uh, but I keep, you know, an, an eye definitely open to also the new opportunities that are uh, opening right now in, in the States in and in a more international way of making a film that for me don't have to be either in the States or either in France, I think there are various ways now to collaborate and yeah, to completely. take the best of different systems. But you have to be, you have to be aware of uh, who does what and how to choose the right team for you so as to make the films you yeah. really want to, to make. But to make it work and find that balance, it's ignorant, I think, to think that all big-budget American films are going to be... R rubbish or restrictive and all independent films are going to be free exactly Both can go either way I think um, a film that comes to mind recently uh, was um, Lynn Ramsey's Are You Were Never Really Here which is very American but it's also it feels like a European independent film so totally. if you can find the balance and the right people it's a perfect exactly route to go. that's a crazy film it's amazing yeah. isn't it it's crazy though <laughs> it's always a tougher question to actors what they're doing next or what the, the plan is because there's generally either stuff you're up for that you can't talk about or stuff that isn't on the promotion run yet. So what's your plan kind of going forward at the moment? Well, I, I think there's phases in life. Yeah. And I think if you asked me the question like two years ago, it would have probably been so different yeah. from like what I would answer now. And I think it's just due to the fact that like our want, wanting something changes yeah. and our... Um, and that's a good thing yeah, that should be it is, a good thing it it's is. kind of often seen as oh you've changed or whatever it's yeah. like no I hope I've changed yeah, I've yeah, lived exactly. and developed yeah and I think you know two years ago when I first well I moved to the States the first time like five years ago but yeah. when I first moved there I I wasn't like a child actor I yeah. I discovered acting very late yeah. let's say and I started acting doing classes and started meeting people my both of my parents are not in the industry so I never grew up with like watching movies yeah. it was never a thing so I'm discovering now you know directors that I didn't know and like yeah. also like old movies and I think at the beginning it was more about creating an experience for myself so that I could learn yeah so it was more about you know working and getting to like you know to class to do something so that I could learn certain things but then in class you don't learn what you really do on set because on set sometimes it's very technical yeah. and also the fact that you need to like be aware of who you're surrounded by and you need to like understand what the relationships are and how it works yeah. so for me at the beginning it was more about that and so I wouldn't make choices based on probably what I loved yeah but it was more about you know the quantity in a way yeah and it was yeah, more yeah, about like just experiencing yeah different and things and now it's changed my whole view because yeah. now that I've done that a little bit I now want to work with people that I really want to work with that really are you know situations or experiences that are challenging to me yeah. and also just like working with Coralie on revenge I realized how important it is the relationship between the director and actor which I always knew it was, yeah. and I know that I feel in a way that a, a good director can have anyone act. Right, yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's necessary, like, necessarily the opposite. So I, I really just want to work with like good directors and also on things that I really think are you know challenging for me because yeah. I love to grow and I love to learn. Yeah. And I'm always... As long as it sometimes humiliates you to, like, do mistakes. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's still, like, something that I think you learn much more from mistakes than from what you do right. Completely. So that's what I'm looking forward to. That's perfect. I, I, it's it's the, the thing I love in my brief time on this side of this industry is the beauty of it is that a year before Revenge, 
for both of you, you didn't know that revenge <laughs> was what you wanted to do next and was yeah. your absolute dream. So the, it's almost, even though I ask it every damn time, it's almost a pointless question because the chances are the thing you're going to be most excited about doing in a year, mm-hmm. you've not even heard of yet and haven't even conceived yeah. the idea of, and then it'll appear. And, yeah, and I and also feel it. maybe for an actor is in a way different yeah. than for a director, but I feel like there's very, very little in your control. Completely. Like a director, you know, can write and yeah. direct and edit and do all the, like, process. And still, like, like the director doesn't have complete control. Yeah. But they have more control than an actor. An actor, yeah, I think, has to take a leap of faith. So you, you know, try to, like, weigh the things that you like and you don't like about the project yeah. and then you just have to like go for it yeah and you can't like it. take back yeah. when you're in it completely You've so got you just to join go for it and then it might become you know something really bad that you're not going to be proud of yeah and it might be something that but you still learn in it's the better process. for it to be bad and something that you're not proud of but you still went 100 in it yeah than to be it's bad and i didn't really try to make yeah, it remember, any better than it was kind of thing yeah, yeah. Definitely. Oh. I remember a story they told me about, I can't remember if it was some very like big actress yeah. like Meryl Streep or not her, but like yeah. some someone similar yeah. uh, that did a Broadway show and it was a complete disaster. It was a yeah. failure. And like the New York Times and every newspaper first page, it was like f- she failed, like yeah. like big title. And basically they told me that like everyone was calling to interview her. And she was already like rehearsing for some other show, yeah. you know, and that's exactly what you need to do. You just yeah. need to keep going. Completely. And sometimes you need to like block whatever you hear yeah. and just go your way without, you know, caring about just what other people say. Well, speaking of moving on, there's numerous people lingering because I've overrun hugely and taken <laughs> far more of your time than I'm allowed. So thank you very much for thank giving you. me your time. Thanks. All the rest. Thank, you. thank you very much. You've been listening to Squibbish Pips Discretion Pieces. There we go. I told you, like, we could have talked for hours and hours and hours. What a great conversation. Two amazing and inspirational uh, women with great outlooks. Um, I really enjoyed that. I'm going to go now, as this is a mini episode on the Friday. So I don't want to ramble on too long. Next week's guest is the wonderful Mark Goddard. Um, a lot of people have been waiting for that for a while. So um, I'm glad to get that in. I've got an Ask Pip I recorded a while ago. I need to put out at some point. A few of you have been hassling me about that because you saw me ask for the questions and then haven't heard my answers. So I'll put that out soon as well. So yeah, thank you for tuning in. You're welcome for the little bonus episode. Go and watch... A, a revenge you're gonna love it um and i'll see you next week cheers bye